All right, everyone. Welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast. My name is James. I'm your host. And today is episode 43. So before I dive into the content for you today, I wanted to thank each of you for finding the show and for listening. If you like what you heard, make sure you go to the show notes. I made the links there nice and easy. You can click a link and you can subscribe and rate the podcast. I would appreciate you doing that. That's really going to help people find the show and help grow the show as well. In addition to that, I'm looking for people who want to come on the show and talk about an interesting family recipe. If you have a unique or interesting family recipe that has been handed down through the years, I want to know about it. So you can send me an email, toastykettle at gmail.com. And I'm also going to put that in the show notes so that it's easy to find and either tell me about it or we can set up a time for you to come on the show and tell me about it there. Either way, we'll get the story out there. I I love hearing these stories. I have a bunch of them in my family. I've shared them through the episodes and I would love to hear your stories from your families. With that out of the way, let's dive right in. So for today's show, we're going to talk all about in and out and the history behind in and out. Now, I've been itching to do an episode all about the history of in and out for some time. And last week, I was enjoying a double-double animal style in the park with my wife and son. And it was a beautiful evening. All of us were chowing down on these burgers and really enjoying them quite a bit. Uh, We were in heaven. And there's a lot to love or hate. I know In-N-Out has its haters, don't understand it, but a lot to love or hate about In-N-Out. Today, we're going to go through their unique history and talk about where they are today. So, Let's start at the beginning. It seems like a logical place to start. In-N-Out was born in Baldwin Park, California on October 22nd, 1948. It was one of the first drive through burger stands in California and was the brainchild of Harry and Esther Snyder. And they were newlyweds when they opened up their super tiny hamburger stand that was barely 10 square feet. Now, every day before dawn, Harry would go to the meat and produce markets and would select fresh ingredients for that day. Esther's role in the business was keeping the books. She did all of their accounting at the kitchen table in their family residence. After a long work day, Harry would tinker in the garage until late at night. And he was developing a new concept at the time for a fast food restaurant. He was developing a two-way intercom to be used for ordering. He wanted a better way for customers to order food from their cars. At the time, a lot of restaurants would utilize car hops or you'd have to actually get out and walk up to a window. And they'd go out to cars, take orders. Harry had a vision for his guests. He wanted them to be able to order and receive their food without ever needing to leave their cars or wait an excessive period of time for a car hop to make their way over. This intercom system really allowed that to become a reality. And they were one of the first restaurants in California to offer this true drive-through experience. Uh, Possibly one of the very first 
restaurants in the country to offer this type of service. Now, a lot of restaurants claim they were the first to do it, but uh, you know, In-N-Out really did it quite early on before a lot of these other restaurants were actually even a thing. So fast forward to 1976, we're going to go into the menu and when some of these items came on the menu in a minute, but it's important to talk about uh, the period of change that happened, change in ownership. So Harry and Esther, they had two boys, uh, Rich and Gary. And Harry Snyder, in 1976, he passed away from lung cancer. And after his passing, his son Rich took over the business. And Rich had grown up working in the family business. When he took over in and out, they experienced tremendous growth. And one of his hallmarks on the business was the In-N-Out University where they could uh, further develop the talent that they had uh, working for them and continue to train them. And it's awesome to see a business, it's awesome to see a company that cares enough about their employees to make sure that they're, uh, they're really getting trained for work and really getting trained for growth within the company and within management experience and, and things like that. So under his direction, they opened 90 new locations in the 80s and 90s. And during his leadership, Rich continually refused to franchise the business. And this is one of those real popular concepts uh, that when, when restaurants were starting, they'd franchise. And it was something that Harry resisted when he started Uh, Esther resisted, and Rich is resisting as well. He felt like the franchising model would be like prostituting his parents and their legacy. He said, there's money to be made by doing those things, but you lose something. And I don't want to lose what I was raised with all my life. He was also very much an advocate for their simple menu and didn't want to mix that up. He fought to keep the menu simple, uh, just like his dad had. He said, it's hard enough to sell burgers, fries, and drinks, right? And when you start adding things, it gets worse. With all the growth being experienced, In-N-Out still clung to California. They hadn't expanded outside of California. And in 1992, the first In-N-Out opened outside of California and Las Vegas. Unfortunately, Rich wouldn't live to see further expansion. In 1993, he died in a plane crash along with Philip West, who at the time was In-N-Out's chief operating officer and executive vice president. The FAA investigated the crash and determined it was caused by turbulence created by a Boeing 757 that was ahead of Rich's plane. It was said that Rich and Philip had a private agreement to never fly in the same plane, and for this one flight, they made an exception. After his brother's death, Esther took over again as the president of the company, and Guy, his uh, Gary, his brother, he took over the operations for the business as the chairman. And so uh, Gary, who also went by Guy, so if you hear me say Guy, that's, <laughs> that's where we're at with that, uh, he had a lot of struggles. And a lot of struggles with addiction and drug addiction, drug abuse. And he continued to see growth as In-N-Out increased to 140 total locations 
uh, Gary died from an overdose of painkillers in 1999. And with his death, Esther Snyder again took complete control of the company. So in the year 2000, In-N-Out finally expanded into Arizona. This was another big step for the small burger chain. In 2006, Esther passed away at the age of 86, and the job of, of president fell on Mark Taylor, who was former vice president of operations and someone the family considered to be a very close friend. And a year after he took over, they opened a new location in Tucson, Arizona. This location uh, broke company records for most burgers sold in a day and also sold in a week. In 2008, In-N-Out expanded into Utah, and they came to Texas in 2010. And I remember personally when the location opened close to me in Utah, there were lines around the building for months after opening, and they're still long. If I want some In-N-Out, I mean, you, you're always going to have a line, which is another testament that they are doing things right. In 2010, Lindsay Martinez took over as president of In-N-Out, she was Gary Snyder's daughter and Harry and Esther's only grandchild. When she took over, she said, First and foremost, I'd like to thank my grandfather and grandmother, Harry and Esther Snyder. Their vision, passion, and commitment set such a firm foundation for our company, and the core values that they established for us back in 1948 still guide us today. My grandfather was an incredible hard worker who was passionate about quality. Back in the day, he hand-selected only the highest quality meat, cheese, and produce for his customers. My grandmother was always right there with her husband from the start, equally committed to quality, and always making sure the In-N-Out associates were treated like family. Additionally, she was the driving force behind In-N-Out's philanthropic efforts, and today the In-N-Out Burger Foundation still carries out her vision. I'd also like to thank my Uncle Rich and my dad, uh, Guy Snyder. They lost their dad at a young age, but were both able to learn so much from him and ultimately both were able to make in and out much stronger. Rich was instrumental in setting us up for our future success by adding an even greater focus on our associates. His commitment to training was unparalleled and the In-N-Out University operates today as a result of Uncle Rich's belief in the importance of training. My father Guy was just as passionate about quality as his dad. Dad was so fanatical about quality that he invested heavily in the company's quality assurance team. Today, our warehouse, meat department, and commissary teams only accept and deliver the freshest and highest quality products, resulting in great-tasting burgers, fries, and drinks that our customers enjoy. Our state-of-the-art quality controls still have my dad's fingerprints all over them. I'm so blessed to have had such great family leaders come before me. Today, I view a big part of my job as adhering to and living up to the highest standards that have been built up over the past 64 years. But there's more to my vision for in and out We don't just want to live up to our own standards. We want to exceed them. Now, Lindsay was married by this time when she took over three times. Now she's on her fourth marriage. She also, when she very first <laughs> was uh, reaching adulthood in her early 20s, struggled with alcohol and drug abuse. So this is a family that's, in a lot of ways, it's it's your typical story of the American dream 
where mom and dad open this amazing restaurant and it, it catches fire and becomes super popular. They refuse to sell out to the man. Instead, they keep things small. And I mean, they're so real. It, 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 it's so refreshing to see a company that's not hiding behind this polished and perfect image. I mean, uh, we all know people in our family somewhere along the line that have uh, skeletons in the closet somewhere dealing with uh, hard things or drug addiction or alcohol. And, and it, it's just, it's, it, it, for me, it was refreshingly relatable to be able to see that. At first I was like, oh my gosh, they, they have just a lot of death, a lot of drama, a lot of heartache in their family. And then I thought, no, that's the typical family right there. You know, we all have death and heartache and drama in family life. That's normal. And it's refreshing to see that they didn't hide behind that. And uh, so with the menu through the years, we're going to talk about the food now. Talked about the family, talked about the owners. Now we're going to talk about the food. The menu through the years, Harry Snyder had a core belief, and and this is the driving force behind In-N-Out today. Keep it real simple, do one thing, and do it the best you can. And that's what, likely why In-N-Out is just very different from other fast food burger restaurants. The main difference lies in their menu. Now, we emphasize their focus on quality. They have three beef processing plants. They get the beef into those plants and they grind it themselves. And in order for you to be able to open a restaurant, in and out restaurant, you need to be within a day's drive of this processing plant. They deliver the beef fresh ground. It's never frozen. In an in and out location, they have no heat lamps, no microwaves, no freezers. Again, no heat lamps, no microwaves, no freezers. And that's how it's always been. That's how fresh their food is. They get Quinnebec potatoes in. Uh, it's a variety that was grown in Maine. And a lot of chip producers use them. A lot of French fries in restaurants use this variety. And they're slicing those fresh every day <laughs> and frying them fresh every day. The beef is ground every day and delivered every day. It's just as fresh as you can get in a, in a fast food environment. When it comes to menus, In-N-Out is just plain weird. They have done everything that the fast food industry would tell you that they shouldn't do. They have embraced a very limited menu that never changes. The last time something was added to the menu was 2018 when they added hot chocolate to the menu. And the last change before that was in 1975 when they added milkshakes to the menu. Now, between 1975 and 2018, they added 7-Up and they added Dr. Pepper to the menu as well. But they were already selling sodas, so I didn't call those out specifically. It wasn't a brand new product on the menu. The most important addition to their menu came in 1963. And this was the first year that the double-double showed up on the menu. A double-double is two patties of beef, two slices of cheese. 
When In-N-Out got their start, they had hamburger, a hamburger, cheeseburger, fries, and cold drinks on the menu. Today, they've added fountain drinks instead of cold drinks and a double-double and milkshakes, as well as that hot chocolate. Now, to put that into perspective, McDonald's and Burger King each serve over 80 items on their menu. In-N-Out serves 15 So 80 versus 15. That's what I'm talking about here. They're very different from your standard food chain. That, my friends, is the very definition of keeping it simple and focusing on one thing and doing that one thing really well. Now, of course, on the surface, their menu looks simple, but we all know about the secret menu that In-N-Out is known for. Now, even though the menu looks simple and unchanged, they have a secret menu. Of course, at the center of that is the fabled animal style, and that's a trademark that the company has. So this is something they know exists. They know people love it. it it's, it's a thing. You can get anything at, animal, uh, at In-N-Out animal style. And if you don't know what animal style means, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's simply amazing. An animal-style burger is a patty with mustard fried onto each patty. They also add extra spread, and their spread is their special sauce. It's a Thousand Island-type dressing. And grilled onions, they add pickles, cheese, lettuce, and tomato to round out the burger. You can get this served as a single, a double, uh, the (laughs) double-double, A three by three and a four by four. So three by three would be three patties, three pieces of cheese, and the four by four is four patties and four slices of cheese. And my fun fact for the episode today, I'm only going to give you one today. The largest animal style burger was ordered on October 31st, 2004 in Las Vegas. A group of friends ordered a 100 by 100 and took pictures when it made its rounds on the internet and headquarters saw this crazy monstrosity, they capped the burgers at 4x4. Four four. You can imagine the logistical nightmare if people were ordering 100 by 100 all the time. So I guess that makes sense to cap it. But still, you know, 4x4 four four is a beast. I've seen some pictures online and it just makes my mouth water every time. Some other great secret menu items are the Flying Dutchman. That's two patties with two pieces of cheese sandwiched in between and nothing else. No condiments, no veggies, no bun. You have protein style where you swap your bun for two leaves of lettuce. Uh, Grilled cheese is the burger minus the burger. Neapolitan shake, which is strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate flavors all in the shake together. You have... Cheese fries, which I guess that goes without saying. You have fries with cheese on them. You have animal-style fries. That's my personal favorite way to eat their fries, where they put cheese and then the spread and the grilled onions. They're amazing. Love them. Next time you go to In-N-Out, if you've never had the animal fry, you got to get the animal fry. Then they have well-done fries. Now, In-N-Out's fries have taken their share of criticism for sure. It's one of those fries that is very polarizing. Because they're fresh, they're one of those fries that just is going to be different. And uh, people like that, and people don't like that. I'm lukewarm. When I get their fries, unless they're animal style, uh, 
if they get cold, then it can be hard to eat their fries. But one variation that I haven't tried is also on this secret menu, which is well-done fries. These are fries that are fried to perfect golden crispy awesomeness and then salted. So that might be the way to do the fries. My dad swears by the well-done fries. I need to go try that. And then last but not least, they have a root beer float, which is, I guess, self-explanatory, ice cream and root beer. So where is In-N-Out today? In-N-Out started out with one goal, again, to give customers the freshest, highest quality foods you can buy. They've always treated their customers right and served high quality ingredients in a clean environment. Everyone's cheerful, everyone's happy when you go in there and the food is always great and made to order. They have also cared tremendously for their employees. That goes back to Esther Snyder and is homage to her legacy with the company that she treats all of her employees like family. And that's how the company overall does it. Their managers are ridiculously well-paid. You look it up. Um, a manager, the average manager for In-N-Out has been with the company for 17 years and makes over $160,000 a year made me think I was in the wrong business. And they also pay their their hourly employees really well, and they offer them benefits and paid time off that they can accrue. So this is a company that goes above and beyond for their employees. They pay them well, they give them benefits, they give them time off, and as a result, they have one of the lowest employee turnover rates in the industry. And then you also pair with that Rich's legacy, Rich Snyder's legacy of the in and out university where they can train and grow and develop their careers further. For new businesses in the restaurant industry, there's always that rush to get big, expand rapidly, go public. And over the past 70 plus years, in and out has never done that. They focused on slow and measured expansion. Again, they didn't even leave California until the early 90s, right? So they were all about this slow and measured expansion. I absolutely love what Rich said about the business, just about how hard it is to make burgers and fries well. And in his mind, you could focus on rapid expansion or you can focus on a quality product, it's almost impossible to do both. And I tend to agree with that. There are many local chains that I've observed over the years that have caught on, become popular, expanded rapidly, and then every time they do, their quality, their quality tanks. Like Rich said, you lose something. You lose something when you do that, when you sell out like that. Your business stops being about what you know and love with the burgers and the fries, and it becomes all about the growth and the money. You know, In-N-Out is constantly being targeted uh, for <laughs> purchases. People want to buy the company. Uh, Lindsay has, in one of her rare public interviews that she's granted, talked about some crazy offers, like Saudi princes are trying to buy the company or at least persuade them to go public so they can get a piece of it. And uh, she said the offers are mind-boggling, but the only reason why they would do something like that would be for the money, and that's just not going to happen. And so I love, I just love 
her desire to stick with what's gotten them to this point. She's third generation, and it seems like she's doing things really well. They're about to open a new processing plant for meat in Colorado, and when they do that, they're going to bring restaurants to Colorado, and of course that's going to allow them to expand further east uh, within, within a day's drive. But currently they're in Arizona, California, Nevada, Utah, Texas and Oregon. So it'll be interesting to see how they grow and develop the company and the brand over the next few years. And if you haven't ever been to In-N-Out, it's totally worth a try. Uh, Anytime you're in one of these Western states that has one, just stop by. It's always a great experience. I, I truly can't say enough about them as a company for being humble and real but also doing what it takes to treat their customers and their employees right. I talked about that when I did the episode on Chick-fil-A about their company culture in making sure that uh, that their customers and their employees were taken care of. And it's just something that you don't see today in a lot of these big companies. And it's interesting that both Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out are both privately held family-owned businesses. And there's just something to that. There's a humanity there that gets lost when you sell out. And uh, anyway, enough for my soapbox today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you heard, make sure you leave a five-star review. Go over to the show notes. Click the links there. Subscribe. That's really going to help people find the show and really help us grow. And we all have some crazy family recipe that's kicking around Uh, I have part of my family comes from Kentucky and I can tell you that there are a lot of weird family recipes that we have kicking around. Some are delicious and some I just raise my eyebrows at, but I would love to hear your stories. I want to hear your family stories with food and I want to either tell the story on air. I want to, I want to put you on air. So go to the show notes, toastykettle at gmail.com and email me. We'll make it happen. I would love to hear your stories. And, uh, you know, as always, you can follow me at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, at Toasty Kettle and would love to continue the conversation there. Until next week. (laughs) 